when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'm Rob Zachney, and I'm here to ask you a question. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, Whoa! Do you remember the 21st night of September? That's right, it's today, the 21st of September, and you are listening God to Waypoint Radio, damn it. episode 428. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Klepek. I... I quit. Ricardo Contreras. Um... Hmm. Yeah! <laughs> Sorry, my that my voice doesn't actually go that high, I guess. Hi. Oh man. Kato's already kicked out of the boys' of choir. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> it's uh, always fun where you're like, no, I can hit some high I can notes. Hit that. And it's like, no, you can hit you can hit a high note. Yeah. No other note around it. Yeah, that that was uh uh you know, when you'd be the singer in uh, like a rock band session. And oh you know, you'd be watching like the pitch meter go up and down. It's like, go up. I'm going, I'm, I'm going, going higher game. Shut the <laughs> fuck up. And yeah. this game's like, no, no, you're uh, really not. Like, that's you're, you're really, that's that, just, that's, that, you know, that that's, game that's taught nice of you. so many people that when they think they're going up, really, they're just getting louder. <laughs> they're just going <laughs> more volume instead of higher pitched. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I'm, I'm, I missed that. It was like deeply frustrating to, to not hit the five star because uh, you can't sing worth uh, shit. Well, you know, you could always change mid verse what octave you're in <laughs> yeah, because it's just like drop it to down. Pitch. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's well, true. I uh, say that you remember. <laughs> let me oh, all the way at the let top. Me just drop this baby down into tenor. <laughs> Never had a cloudy day. I've so how's everybody I'm... doing? <laughs> mm. Good. Everyone having a good September so far? Yeah, it's been cool here. It's nice. No, it was, eight, it was 88 degrees yesterday. Oh, right Jesus. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, actually, it, it, it ruled. Like, I, I think oh, it was yeah. glorious. It was glorious. Like, you know, I, uh, both the house that, you know, we, we had set up our garage to watch the Bears game, so that if the kids needed to play, mm. they could do so. We had activities set up, so like there was, how do we get it to, you know, when my kids were really young, like they would sleep through like twelve to four, like the time that I watched the games in the Midwest. Now that's not the case; it's like primary play time, twelve to four. But uh, so we'd set up the garage with activities, and then my neighbors, the primary neighbors that my kids play with, also are big Bears fans, and they set up their garage open with the game with activities there were beers in both garages so no matter where i went i could just i could just continue on it, and it was really hot oh it was it was glorious it was a it was a wonderful <laughs> i had a wonderful sunday it was one of the best sundays i've had in a long time oh that's really reassuring patrick too because i had been a little bit i had missed the part where i heard like they give the weather report at the start of a game mm-hmm. so when i saw like 
Khalil Mack's look, look, Khalil Mack looking like he was dying on the sidelines. I was like, is there a conditioning issue? Is he okay? Is he <laughs> no, healthy? It I was, didn't realize it was 90 degrees. Oh, yeah, Jesus. it wasn't humid. I'm sh- I'm sure it was maybe a little cooler by the lake where the, the stadium is, at least for now, mm-hmm. until they move that goddamn stadium closer <laughs> to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I guess it makes me, the one thing I'm excited about, like a warm fall is that last, uh, last Halloween was so delightful, uh, in that it was like warm and like the kids could be outside and enjoy it. Two years ago, it was under a foot of snow. Um, and my oldest went three houses before they said, I don't, candy's not worth this. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, fair, <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, see, the, the Halloween where it snowed like hell for me, um, despite the fact that I had chosen a terrible costume for those conditions, because obviously shouldn't have had those conditions, but I was the Grim Reaper, of course, Ooh. which meant I had long, flowing, dark robes. Yeah. <laughs> and as the slush mounted, oh, God. like, I'm just getting caked in <laughs> ice and, like, road salt and it's starting to like as as they're swishing around, they stop swishing. And because there's now like a little boulder of ice at the the hem of the robe, <laughs> it just starts like whacking into my shins as I'm trying oh. to like trudge through the snow. But I kept going because so so many kids had punked out that like people just started being like, uh, "We're not getting many trick or treaters." So. What do you, you want, want? Half this bowl of candy? And I was like, "Yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you." Well, that's what that's what happened with this uh, this same Halloween. Was like every door was just someone being like, "Oh, huh, a trick or treater." <laughs> well, well, would you like everything that I bought at the CVS? Uh, because I don't anticipate anyone else coming. And my daughter, like, being very polite, was like, "Well, I'm only allowed to take two. And I was like, "You can take." Take seven. Like, you're fine. Like, like you, <laughs> okay. permission is granted. We need we need to try and fill this Halloween bucket in the next couple houses because I don't think we're going very far tonight, kiddo. Uh, um, usually the 31st is the exact time it gets really cold in the places I've lived up north. Florida doesn't fucking change its place, but, like, in Baltimore and here. Both, well, it's a crap It's a crap it's shoot. It's, like, it's like, even if it's warm, maybe it's rainy. Like it's like Halloween. It's never as it's pic- good. As depicted in in Hollywood like films. Like no, like that is none of my no. memory. All my memories of Halloween is ugly weather. My parents sneaking drinks um, because they're out in the ugly weather. Um, and you didn't care as a kid because shit like that didn't phase you. But that as you get older, you go, "Well, this is miserable." And I don't. I really don't know why we're doing all this when I could just buy this candy half <laughs> off tomorrow at the Walgreens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we got a couple games I know y'all have been playing, uh, since we had to delay doing this recording for a few minutes while we tried to figure out this, the answer to this question, Patrick, you have been playing and I'm just going by your pronunciation. Uh-huh. So it's on your head. Yeah. You've been playing Kana Bridge of Spirits. Well, I, uh, this is not on me. This is on the developer, uh, interview summer of gaming 2020, uh, from IGN in which two <laughs> developers say Kana Bridge of Spirits. I, uh, uh, like Akato. Akato has a theory that that's just their accent doing whatever it does to that name. Yeah, yeah but they say it multiple times. Like pre- I'm pretty yeah. sure in the game, it's this has become like a a, a Laura uh, like Laura Croft situation in which right. I do you have like a word where you early on and you trying to understand it, misunderstand it, and then find it completely impossible to dislodge it. Um, like that is the case Lapel. with Pal. Yeah, I cannot. <laughs> Not say like my first instinct to read it and say it is lapel, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's yeah. good. That's really good. 
said. Right. And so this is what's happening every time I think about even now, right now, like we've established the ground rules of like what I looked up. I, I've ha- kind of half forgotten it because now I've just gotten in my head that like I don't because in, I want to read it what I uh, perceive to be phonetically. Um, uh, and that's you know clearly not. Uh, but also Kenna would be. I mean, that sounds like two ends. You know, I know the English language is funky, but um, English anyway, language doesn't make any fucking sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits uh, is I am so curious what the response to this game is going to be. It was part of the uh, initial showcase for the PlayStation 5. It got a lot of uh, attention uh, from, you know, for myself personally and, and others because um, this is really beautiful looking character action game um the developers who are brothers uh, i believe um coming from an animation background um working in hollywood and that was like very evident from the the jump like this is a game that is like very pretty um looks like it's you know uh, you know you know a pixar cartoon you know a film or something like like dropped into to a video game um by the way which is like no more, you know, like is most evident in these games cutscenes where it feels like they could have just been real time, but they made them rendered because like that's what their background comes from. And they wanted all the flourishes that you can do in like actual rendering as opposed to to making it all work in real time. Um, and I've just never quite, you know, gotten a sense of like, well, how how well is this game going to play? It looks very pretty. Um, this is the first time team uh, folks that are not coming from a gaming background. Um, I'd had a hands on event with it. Uh, sometime earlier this year, um, and it seemed all right, but I didn't still quite have a kind of handle on it. The, the setup for uh, Kana is, uh, you are a this this young girl, like a spirit guide. Like there has been like this uh darkness virus, something that has traumatized your your village. Um, you need to try and find a way to sort of uh rest the or like help the spirits of like your village pass on while simultaneously figuring out what the hell happened and how can, how can you fix it? Um, and the, the closest, com- everything I've thought of in the like six or seven hours, I played like, I think two thirds of the game um, uh, is if you are a big fan of all of the character action games from specifically the PlayStation two era, like a lot of, Ty the Tasmanian Tiger, uh, and like back when it just seems like the Jack and Daxter, when there were just a that, that was just the games that so many studios were making. Mm-hmm. Um, this game just feels like lifted, um, <laughs> for, for like good and bad. Um, um, it, it just absolutely feels like one of those kinds of games in design, in feel, in play, uh, except dropped into a PlayStation 5 with you know utterly gorgeous uh, uh graphics. Um, I I'm a big fan of games of that type. That is an era as someone that is a huge platforming fan uh, and like it when platforming is mashed up with action. Like that is like 100% my thing. And so the fact that uh, Kana feels a bit like a throwback a game is actually like the nicest, maybe the nicest thing you could say, <laughs> you could say about it. Um, and so a lot of the game is uh, like you going into these big open areas, like, like open up your map and it's like, there are, like here are like seven different doodads you can go find. Um, those doodads might be uh, something as basic as what's called the rot, um, which are these little cute creatures um, you can you find scattered about the environment. They're usually discovered as the result of a, a little puzzle that you solve um, or like cleverly poking around the environment. Um, those rot are like little creatures that uh, both function in a kind of a puzzle capacity where the if they, there's a statue that's on the ground. Um, 
and you want to kind of like clean up your village to make it look a little nicer, like they'll pick that up and you can direct them to put, to put it back and you get a little reward. Or in combat, uh, you, as you, when you, when you show it into combat, the rot are scared. They're very scared. They do not want to fight these, these enemies, um, that you're going up against. But as you hit, um, as you <laughs> inflict damage, you gain what's called like courage points. And those courage points fill up a wheel. And then when that wheel's filled, you have an action point or a rot point that you can spend because they now feel, uh, as though like the work you have done out there has inspired them to get out there and kick some ass too. And so you can spend that action point where the rot will go over and they can like sort of like distract an enemy so that if you, they have a weak point, um, a lot of the enemies have like these sort of like big yellow glowing, uh, like crystal weak points that you can hit with your, a bow and arrow that you unlock fairly early in the game. Um, and so a lot of the, like the, the, the flow of the combat is you getting in these hits, filling this meter, and then taking advantage of the various sort of like rot specific actions you have. Um, the game is also like really parry focused. You have a, a shield that can block damage, but they really encourage you to line up, you know, a last minute block to turn it into a parry, which uh, automatically fills an action point um, and is often really required or heavily encouraged for more boss type enemies that um, are just going to kind of wail on you or get through your shield. Um, the the combat on a moment to moment basis is pretty basic and fine. And then you get into bosses and there's like a real heavy souls influence um, mm. to a degree that I'm a little surprised by. Like the degree of difficulty spike in some of the combat is something I really enjoyed, but found myself kind of taken aback relative to the kind of more leisurely exploratory fun uh, uh pacing of the rest of the game i you know there is an easier difficulty mode uh that i didn't pluck or you know kind of like play around with um but i think people might be a little surprised at how difficult some of the boss fights are and how demanding they are specifically for you to kind of engage with that parry mechanic in order to um be be successful but i don't know over, overall i'm i'm quite liking it all of the I don't know what necessarily to make it. I'll, I'll leave it to folks smarter than me to make of sort of like all the spirit and tribal imagery mm. that is just like like all all over this game hmm. um, that I feel like could maybe rub some some folks the, the wrong way. Um, but uh, it plays really well. It's pretty basic. And and again, like making that comparison to like PS2 era character action games, I. Like, you know, the combat is sort of hit R1, hit R2. They give you a bow and arrow. They give you these bombs later. They give you some other things to do. But it's really like hit R1, hit R2, dodge, like parry. Um, I I like the fact that it's as basic as it is. Again, the throwback is is seen as a positive for me. But I, it may be the the case that, you know, some folks were expecting expecting a little more, something a little more deeper than that. That's not really here. This game is sort of surface level a little more than surface level, like top to bottom, like the story is sort of eh, and the world is sort of eh. Um, but it's all very pretty. It plays well enough. Um, and, and as a game that's coming, you know, what, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, less than a year into the, you know, the, the sort of the PS5, It's it, it feels, in the same way that it feels like a throwback to PS2, it feels like almost like a throwback to the kinds of games you would expect in a launch period or mm-hmm. a launch window for a new console, which is take something we already know, Put on the fancy graphics um, and and let it rip. And uh, to that degree, I, I think it's 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 pretty successful. Um, and, and I'm curious to see what's what kind of awaits in the, the the last third of the game or so that I think I still have yet to play. But yeah, Kana Bridge of Spirits, 
like thumbs up so far. I think it's hmm. I think it's pretty and good. I'm curious. Did like do we know about uh like where the developers were pulling from? Like, have they said anything about the the sort of imagery they're using, or is that just kind of largely on un- been on un- uncommented on? I'm I'm not sure. You know, I can't. Yeah. I haven't done like a deep dive into uh, the developer interviews. Maybe uh, it's just one of those things that you see sometimes when you see that right. in a lot of media. Like, it just kind of raises a, <laughs> a red flag for like, w- what are we appropriating here, and for for what reason? So, you know, I I don't necessarily mean to uh, necessarily like impugn their their choices. I haven't like done the research to know like where it's coming from and what the intent was and like what the research or yada yada yada. It's more one of those things like you just seen it enough times like deployed right. in these sorts of ways that it can feel a little uh icky uh when you see it. Um uh but uh yeah um so yeah, yeah no, like I so think. often some of the games do use these same motifs uh well, it's, tro- it's very, very tropey very, like right like very anglophone uh you know white uh, background uh, right. so yeah it, it, like we like wherever it's coming from this entire aesthetic now like does I think rightly raise some eyebrows when we encounter it because a lot of times it, it is just like it feels like you develop never a mood board for a project exactly yeah, tribal it seems R- right people yeah it's it's like popular to to pick from whether or not they have any background or have you know done any actual research into it it is you see it everywhere so it's like yeah, it's, it becomes one of those things where even if someone has done it and maybe they have done it the right way here or gone about it in a way that people go, oh, yeah, OK, like enough people have done it in the wrong way that it is one of those things where like your default just becomes like, oh, well, here we go again. Um, <laughs> right. uh, and, and so, again, I mostly just raised it just as one of those things that kind of like came up as I was playing it. But I I haven't done the deep dive to, to you know, to say one way, you know, or the other, you know, kind of like what work did or didn't go into deploying that aesthetic right. and, and motifs and tropes. So, better. I have a different question for you, mm. which is, what if you don't have much nostalgia for PS2 action-adventure <laughs> games? Uh, what if what if you were playing uh, PC games during that era, and, like, in general, you like, that's not a well that you tend to draw a lot from. Uh, does that kind of disqualify me from this? I mean, pro- I mean, I don't know. Does that mean that you've formed an opinion on it, or you just don't have experience with it? that's a good question i think in general like a lot of games like this do tend to leave me a little bit cold um, yeah I, I do i do think this is me kind of game that kind of this sort of goes one of two ways either it hits really hard and you go oh shit like i loved games like this and like just one of these with like this kind of coat of paint is like really hitting all the right notes and that's that's more of where i've ended up yeah um but i could also see folks ending up feeling pretty cold to it if they don't have that nostalgia or experience because I, again, I don't think the combat is that deep. <clears throat> the platforming, you're not very good. Um, it's there. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely not, uh, something to write home about. Like none of like very few of the things in the game, mechanically speaking, um, are, have all that much to them. It's sort of like, they just do enough to support like the structure that's in place and it being very pretty um, certainly, certainly helps things. Um, I think it's well designed. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, the levels are like fun and interesting to explore. It's just all like pretty obvious and basic. Um, and that's, I, that can seem like a pejorative or a negative. It's more that I'm just like using that as a way of framing the game is kind of is what it is um, and, yeah. and comes from a certain lineage and a type of game that they just don't make that much of anymore or games that came from that, that world um, 
they just, you know, they're very rare. Like, you know, like, you know, there's a reason why like, we only see, you know, you have revival studios, um, you know, making games like ukulele uh, to, to evoke a certain style of platformer that just went out of style um, or most really just got oversaturated. Like it was just, um, they made a ton of those, but why I think this will game will end up like resonating and being a hit is because there's a shitload of people that really like those games. I, the reason the tie game, the tie, the Tasmanian <laughs> tiger games, like struck out, like came to mind is because they've been slowly re-releasing those games on steam and they're enormously popular and people are just like, damn, my childhood ruled that I, lo- I loved these games. And I, I think different people have a different version of like, what was your, whether it was a Jack and Daxter or a tie or a Sly Cooper. Um, like there was this game like is 100% out of, that or Sly Cooper might be like one of the closest analogies that I, I could draw because uh, Kana as a character c- kind of moves in that way, kind of platforms in that way, and that was a you know a series that got by a lot on style um, um, over 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 subs. I mean, I liked the Sly Cooper games quite a bit, but they were um, they're kind of just okay platformers and like really strong uh, visually speaking. Um, but yeah, I, I'll be curious. Like, it's not a game that like I would recommend. Like, hey, Rob, this transcends the genre yeah. um, or its archetypes. Um, but I think for a lot of people that have that long history with these types of games, are going to be really, really for for this because it really hits uh, along those notes. So, in the also videos of like those pre-rendered cutscenes, like they are so gorgeous. Like, I want to drink them. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a, it's like, a movie. It's, just, it's it's just so, yeah, and it's it it just it's so because we just don't really see. Like pre-rendered is like yeah. cutscenes like are itself kind of a throwback. They still does, exist. Does the game do a good job though of sustaining that? Like even when you're playing it in motion, does it still like because when I think when I think about pre-rendered cutscenes, right? Like in the nineties, the pre-rendered cutscene would end and it was like kathunk back to like the actual game, right? Which is like low poly graphics and everything. But yeah, like, it was they, like a- the fall off was huge. Yeah. Um, how how steep is the fall off here? Like how how good a job does the, the base game do of like? Oh yeah, I'm I am now inhabiting the world of that cutscene. Yeah, no, it's it it does a, it does a decent job, but it it is definitely one of those things where it feels like the uh the motivating factor here was for people with their animation background to to like really put that to to use in the, like the most traditional sense mm-hmm. of of their history. Um, and so th- th- I mean, it really is it's jarring, but not in the way that you're describing in which yeah. it's like you get plunked back into the world and it looks like ugly and disjointed. And the reason the cutscene exists as pre-rendered is because they don't have the technology to pull off like the emotion and storytelling um, in real time. Like they can do that here. And like one of the more effective transitions they have is this one towards about the halfway point of the game where um, it actually like the there it's pre-rendered and then pans back over to Kana's face. And I was like, Oh, I, th- are we still in the pre-rendered? And like it had dropped back into real time and like fade, faded back in really naturalistically in a way that was like really impressive. And like it's still like th- just the amount of animation, like the flourish on the animations that is present um, and the amount of like particle effects and other things you can just do when you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, running frame rate and handling those, you know, the things in real time. Um, it's I, I found it charming in the same way that I found a, a lot of the other bits of the games kind of. Uh, throwback nature to be charming and which is like I just don't you just don't really see games like this where I I complete a boss and then I'm going to get a two and a half minute uh, pre-rendered cutscene uh, streaming off the the CD-ROM uh, in the in the way that that you do get here so I I, I think it all works in, in the game's uh, favor and I think we'll we'll land pretty nostalgically for for quite a few people so Kato I know that 
this weekend you also start digging into Eastward a bit. Uh, yeah. You want to explain a little bit what Eastward is and how it's been striking, striking you so far? Yeah, so Eastward is a... Easiest way to describe it is uh, Zelda-like, basically. But what if Zelda had Earth, uh, Earth, Earthbound's aesthetics and writing? Um, but also, if Earthbound had, like, you know... Um, PS, like the sprites off a of PS1 instead of the sprites off of a SNES. It's like a very detailed uh, pixel work that's actually beautiful with some very obviously like not pixel work uh, lighting on it. It's like a very uh, visually stunning work. Uh, the gameplay is like um, Zelda-like, but so the setup for this game is uh, this very cool, they have this very cool animation which I think was shown during one of the like many uh video game things over the summer uh, which um shows the main character joe finding this small girl with uh, s- uh white hair in like a tube in some like underground forgotten uh, z- uh area in like collapsed it looks like you know it's like a ru- ruins of a city um and essentially you start the game playing as this digger called john uh who lives in a a town uh, underground in the ruins of uh, civilization, which they don't um, think exists anymore. They are told that the surface world is hellish and people get banished there uh, when they've gone against the word, the, the, the law of the mayor in this town. Uh, John is a silent protagonist and he uh, is taking care of Sam, who is the little girl. And, she has said she says that she's seen the surface world and it's actually like there's grass and animals and birds and nobody believes her because lots of other people also like believe there's something above the above uh but they're called um fantasists like they're they've they've made this fantasy world of the outside where actually it's all ruins um but essentially the game has um it's got like a lot of cutscenes in a weird way uh, it and it feels like I don't know if it'll ever slow down. I've played like six hours of this game, and I've been uh, really enjoying it. Except that it feels a little bit like I'm still, you know, there's a certain point in uh games where it feels like things open up in a way where like okay, now I'm going through the world and like there's less um walking you through like individual story beats and like kind of narrative starts to happen at like wider intervals and i feel like i'm not hitting that yet with this game which is what like just a lot of like um uh a lot of like dialogue boxes and it feels like the game where i'm at now has lost the plot of what i thought was interesting starting immediately one of the first things you do in the town is like you go to work you go to your digging job you're put into like a horrible like dangerous situation where you have to fight some like slug monsters um and then you get docked pay because you were late because you were fighting the slug monsters that would let you do your (laughs) job uh you have the one thing in your inventory when you start aside from your frying pan which is your melee weapon is a digger's contract and the description for it is it's unfair to and it's unfair no matter which way you look at it um and so like this is very obviously you know just bold-facedly talking about like this 
group of people who have been depressed and like are being kept in the dark, literally and figuratively, about what their situation is and what is possible for movement and what other possibilities the world has for them. Um, you do eventually, uh, pretty quickly, uh, leave that area. Uh, you learn that Sam has magical powers. And this is kind of where the of main... Of course. Of course. Of course. A little girl found in the test tube with Come white on. hair. She's got magical powers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, magic. Yeah. Um, and her power is that she uh, basically throws these like little bubbles out that will capture enemies and like freeze them in place for a limited amount of time. And also has special specific interactions with like some plant life where like if there's this weird onion bush thing in the way, if she shoots it, it'll go away for a second. You can pass. Um, and John uh, has the frying pan as a melee weapon, basically like a sword or whatever, and uh, bombs like classic Zelda bombs. You just drop them. Uh, but I'll, in this one, he can't pick them up. So what you do is you whack them with your frying pan to kind of toss them places. And there's a lot of puzzles involving getting bombs to certain areas and things like that. Um, and so you play both of these characters. You switch back and forth with the triggers, like quick swap. And um, there's been a couple of good, like, really fun, uh, like, encounter rooms where it's like, oh, I'm I'm going to deal with the amount of creatures here by freezing a few of them and then tossing a bomb towards those as I deal with the other ones that are still unfrozen with my frying pan. And, like, that part of it feels really good. Um, there's also... And maybe I'm still pretty early, earlier than I said I was in this game because of this. There's also a full JRPG game within the game. Um, when you start the game, you get this text crawl about a knight washing up on a shore uh, and setting his sights on the evil demon king that has taken over this kingdom. And you think it's about this game. And actually, there are you learn later that the game might actually be based on how this current place was founded. Um, but you can actually play that RPG and it's like um, a, a weird time. It's really interesting. Actually, it's a, a time based, like uh, there's a day night cycle based like NES style RPG. Like it looks like the first dragon quest or something, but it has a day night cycle and you have, a certain amount of time to gather uh, a party in order to go fight the boss. And then you're kind of forced into the final fight. Once the clock strikes midnight, all in all, a run of this is like 45 minutes. And I've, I did like three runs trying to beat this thing. Cause it's actually really fun. Um, but it's a totally, it, it feels like um, part of it is that this, like heroic story is going to end up being the thing that the like current leadership of this world tells people is what happened. But, you know, pro you know, state propaganda is what it feels like, like the way that they've mm -hmm. been hinting at it. Um, and so like all those things are really interesting in a way, like the, the like setup for the world and the way that these people have been kept in the dark and the like hints that the, the state is putting out this propaganda through this video game that, um, you know, makes them look better than they are. And it just feels like it's getting, I've played like six hours now and I looked it up and as I, it turns out this game is 30 hours and 
what we've done so far in the game makes me feel like I feel like this could probably be 15 if you like kind of cut out a lot of the like I don't know there's like it feels like there's like a lot of extraneous um bit parts that are like you know that was a funny joke but I don't need to know about every single character in Sam's like elementary school class like there's like things it feels like it's there just because it might have been written out chronologically this way or something I don't know exactly what how to describe it but it's just like this thing where it's like it feels like it's padded in a way um it's like you could keep the story moving maybe and not have as much of this and like maybe get to the gameplay parts that are in between each of these like kind of longer uh story sections a little faster a little so you're saying paced. it's a jrpg yeah, yeah, kind of. That's the thing. It's but it's not. It doesn't. <laughs> I mean, that's right? just, that's frequently the you know well, that that's that is often the attractive element of of a JRPG is like you know the leisurely pace and like yeah. kind of poking at every nook and cranny. And, and the, like, the other thing, I feel like oh, there's a world where this would have been maybe entirely my shit. I just like my over time, like having less time to put into like a single game that isn't one that I play socially. Like I play a lot of like games with like. Uh, other people and like will return to that sort of game mostly because I'm playing with other people but for single player mm-hmm. experiences I don't have the time to play JRPGs anymore right like they were definitely my thing as a kid when you could like drop 60 hours on a thing easy yeah summer summers between yeah you know classes 100%. like let's go, this is JRPG season baby yeah um and so I wonder if some of it is just like I'm I'm like out of the like, it's not in my taste anymore to enjoy this type of pacing, even though it was once a thing I enjoyed. But it does feel a little bit like, look, there's interesting world building going on here, and I kind of want to get to those bits. Like you, you, you keep hinting at it and hinting at it, and there's only so many like times you can foreshadow a thing before I'm like, okay, get on with it, <laughs> you know? Right, um, right. And like, yeah, maybe it's just like a I'm too impatient at, at this point for that type of pacing, but. Otherwise, it's really, you know, it's been really fun. The, the the parts where the combat actually, like, once you do get control of both characters and have, like, their full, like, little suite of starting abilities, that part is, is fun. It just feels like it's too short and comes too far in between other other parts, you know? The one thing that worries me is, uh, I, like, a, a red flag for me is when people say, like, it reminds me of Earthbound. I love Earthbound. <laughs> it's one of the best... You know, uh, games ever made like take it out of the, the entire like you know RPG category. Yeah. But um, boy, Earthbound like runs like a very specific. Like lots of games try to be Earthboundish in 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 the way. I mean, I feel like what when you say you're you know, echoing Earthbound, it's often you know like highly fantastical things happening in a grounded reality mm-hmm. and like a lot of humor that's extracted from that. But like Earthbound has such a specific sense of humor that is like walking the finest of of lines and i find often games that are attempting to be like earthbound like missing the mark because the mark is tiny um you know like earthbound (laughs) is very specific is is singular the reason people are like myself included remain upset that nintendo like won't just localize (laughs) you know mother three is because it's like inc- incredibly rare to get games with writing like that, with that can evoke that kind of atmosphere and tone. Um, and I only played Earthbound at least all the way through for the first time, you know, some years back when they released it on the the Wii U. Mm-hmm. I like played it as a kid, 
but bounced off it because I thought it was too fucking weird, which is fair. <laughs> like that's the game's pitch. Right, but and people right. remember like when Earthbound came out, Nintendo promoted it like it was the new Final Fantasy. They put a huge marketing campaign behind this extremely weird game. Um, and I it didn't take. Um, but th- then having played it since, like I adore it and you know consider it to be one of the, the finest games ever made. Uh, so anyway, like I'm just I'm, I'm curious, you know, uh, where you kind of fall on that specific comparison regard just because i think earthbound is like an easy uh yeah. like point of comparison to make but like how a game actually lands something like that is just re- is really challenging it's a it's it's mostly positive but a little mixed there's a little there's a little bit on there where it's like this would be weird if the setting were more normal but the setting isn't mm. normal already right like you're already in this weird post-apocalyptic world um and there's a few things that are like look at this wacky person it's like i don't know that doesn't seem too far out like i've seen mad max people get fucking wild after shit goes crazy yeah which like, is which is like, like and then the whole point yeah. of like earth the part of earthbound being so charming is because it's it is a suburban neighborhood right. and then wild things happen and the game plays it straight right um, right uh and that that's where it you know it yeah. garners a lot of its a lot of its humor from i think I it's usually find the games that are trying to echo earthbound or end up trying too hard yeah um, i feel like this one doesn't um a little bit but for the most part it is it is kind of doing a a different thing um it's just there's echoes of that type of humor but it doesn't stick to it too hard the the real thing is the aesthetically the the character designs are like almost ripped out of it and like upscaled (laughs) to um Mm. like it feels like very much that sort of um character design so there's one thing i'm just curious about that like I go back and forth sometimes. Um, it, I don't know. You get very Goldilocks about this about this dynamic where, yeah, a lot of times in the like in the gameplay centric stages of a game that is ultimately very narrative, mm-hmm. there can be an element of like, boy, I can't wait until the next big chapter milestone hits and like I discover what the next things are that are going to happen, how this world's going to develop, etc. Um, but then. If it has me doing a bit too much, like, okay, go around town and talk to all these people and, like, read all this text and hear all this dialogue, etc. It doesn't take too long before I start to be like, hey, let's not forget this is about me, right? <laughs> like, I need, let me let, let me play. Like, mm. let me back at the controls. Um, and, I, and I'm curious, like, is some of what's, some of what's going on here just, like, is not finding that balance real well because like in your in the opening of your description it sounds like a cool star story it also sounds like maybe the game isn't too interested in having a player actually play it versus just telling it i feel like um i think part of it is also like the the focus on some of the beats like it feels like early on it's pretty strongly like kind of focused on like unpacking what the world actually is and how people are being uh, lied to and and like people getting out of that situation um and then spoilers i guess you get out uh like that's after like the, that's a, the first chapter of the game and then after that you're in the surface world and the kind of introduction of the first town that you get to outside of i feel like has felt almost longer than the introduction to of the original of the like conceit of the world originally like um and like it feels like it's still very focused on just the immediate 
area. Like I'm not, we're not doing world building. We're doing town building kind of. Um, and I, it's more like I want to get to the more interesting bits of the story that I see and feel are going to be there. Um, but this has, yeah, it's almost like what you were, you were saying where like in the first town I walked around, I talked to every single person because I'm like starting the game. I want to know more about the world. I want to get a sense of what these characters feel and think about the situation that they're in by the second town but in the second chapter i'm like i'm just beelining straight to the next objective like uh i don't really need to talk to everyone here there's too many of them uh it's funny when they talk when they have situations that happen like in the cutscenes, but i feel like i don't need to know the inner lives of every single one of these characters right now um so it's it feels yeah it feels like I, if I feel like the balance is less a, a thing with how much time is spent on each one. It's like, I feel like if it were spent on more interesting things, I'd be fine. But since it it kind of isn't, uh, I, I, it feels like a little, like the balance is a little too uh, uh, non, uh, uh, on, a little too far into in, in the narrative sense of stuff. Like the first, um, the first like big dungeon you do to that's kind of like the end the end piece for the first chapter uh is really great there's lots of really good puzzles in there and i kind of was like all right ready for whatever the next like quote unquote dungeon will be like get me to there and like i feel like um 2 hours out from having left that and haven't hit the next like big dungeon yet there's been a few like mini games uh, in between talking to a bunch of people in this town, and that's where I feel like the 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 balance has kind of shifted the wrong way. Um, yeah, that's. I don't know. I, this is it. What's funny is I kind of got the same vibe, like looking at the trailers for this game too, where where it's like it looks conceptually really cool. It looks like a a really charming world, uh, mm-hmm. but also. Yeah, I don't know that I got time for that. <laughs> Might not have time for all that right now. Um, yeah, it. Well, it just it also just kind of sucks to be at a point where um, I can vividly remember, like when you would hear that, like, "Hey, do you hear that?" Like, you know, Final Fantasy. Uh, well. In the conversation, it was Final Fantasy three. We now know it was Final Fantasy six, but you get <laughs> me. Uh, when you and your friends would be like, "Hey, Final Fantasy three game's like forty hours long," and it was like, "Go high, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's gonna be awesome." Oh, and now, like, yeah, it's it's so easy for that stuff to also feel like a threat too. Where it, yeah. it's like, I'm not gonna talk to these people. Like these NPCs are just to provide like color and a sense of life to this town. They're like I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. Uh let's let's get this moving. <laughs> Absolutely. And just like I don't know. I don't know what it is about the mode of be like playing a JRPG. Maybe it, it ends up being that that balance is just generally better because uh in, a lot of times they do randomized uh stuff between towns and areas and things like that mm-hmm. there's no real like open area in this game like it's very much you're going um like the maps are pretty small it's like one chunk of place that you're um moving through and you're only kind of moving through it as the game wants you to um 
and I, I like usually J like JRPGs or things like that. There's like a, a moment where it's like, okay, now you can kind of pick directions, even if there's one uh, like quest that you're going towards, you're still like traversing land and getting into random encounters. And it just feels like the in be even in between like the, the two first chapters, um, I I just kind of walked to the next place. There wasn't like any like there the, the enemy um the enemy and puzzles is all kind of siloed into like like you would call them dungeons right like if you think of a Zelda game it's like what if the overworld of like Link to the Past didn't have enemies in it at all um and also the overworld was like not really an overworld it was more like uh, a couple tunnels leading you to the next place um right so like it's like yeah it's like that that sort of uh, gameplay, though, but not that sort of uh, world design, uh, as far as the Zelda comparison goes. Uh, so yeah, that's that's Eastward. If you if you end up sticking with it, um, and your feelings haven't changing, we can circle back to it because, like, yeah. I could also easily imagine in two weeks you're like, guys, the last act of Eastward, yeah, game of the year. Gets, Tur- turns out, turns out, turns out, Delta Rune is terrible, and all it's all oh about Eastward God. now. I'm I'm genuinely surprised this that you're I know that you played Eastward but like I, I figured Deltarune Chapter Two came out and then Akato was gonna be what are you, I had you're, not, to, you're not a fan anymore I had to no I had to wait here's the issue with Deltarune and Undertale in general mm-hmm. uh, I played that with my wife and we both both loved it dearly and so I cannot play Deltarune oh. alone and it was just a bad week and she was very busy uh so we're gonna get to it this week for sure but also it's only Chapter Two like this. Deltarune. That's why I'm not playing any of them. I, 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 I like. I was. I was I so wish excited. I could be you. <laughs> I know. I, I get it. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's like. Uh, I'm glad that Toby. Like when I read the impression. I mean, I liked Undertale. I. I I'm not as like. I, I enjoyed it a lot, but I'm not in like the fandom in in the same way. Um, but uh, it very much seemed like Deltarune Chapter One was. Well, I finished this. So do you want to play it? And then <laughs> this one was also like. Well, I finished this. Do you want to play it? And then I enjoyed the note that was like, all right, well, this really doesn't make the most sense, actually. And I'm I'm just going to go work on finishing chapters three through five and release it all as a thing. And I was like, great. All right. I'll see you in two years. And I will, you know, play yeah. Deltarune. And that from, won't even be finished. Start to finish. Uh, on the. Uh, what do you mean? On the. I believe uh, on the like chapter select screen for that Deltarune demo, there's seven chapters. Oh. So three to five is just All the right. next chunk. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll see you in, in four years. I yeah. will play. Yeah. Well, this is the uh, thing. This, Delta is, this is the thing. When he dropped the first chapter, they said um, it will probably take seven years to finish it. Okay. And I was like, look, if you're going to put something out there and have it, like have it exist and tell me to wait seven years before I play it and I like like you know, like I like Undertale the, the amount that I like it, there's no way I'm going to wait seven years. I'm going to play the small bit and then be tortured that there isn't more of right. it for years. Yeah, years. see, I don't want, yeah, like, like <laughs> what you did with Ava is what you're doing with Undertale. <laughs> right. Right. Um and I will I will have none of it. Um, Just all I mean, granted, wow. it does seem like it does seem like Toby Fox is, has like realized like the benefits of working with yes like hopefully it'll be a little bit faster, and, but yeah, and it's it, he has admitted that they're going to staff up to have more folks you know, come in and you know m- make three through five go a little bit faster. But um, that's good. That's good. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's interesting. It's exciting. I didn't realize that Undertale had the potential to be Half Life Episode Three. 
Century. No. Like uh. I'm now I'm excited for like 15 years from now <laughs> the Undertale fans are still like well, this in wouldn't... their in their foxholes being like no it's coming and like See, I don't think this great. is a Half-Life 3 no, situation cuz think... that one this is more of a, a Game of Thrones uh, situation. Mm. Oh, like, yes. This would be yeah. like Toby Fox. Toby Fox has no pages um, <laughs> sort of situation as opposed to like Valve kind of gave up the ghost on Half-Life 3 at yeah. a certain point was like, oh, what are you talking about? We never announced, you know, when I don't, mm, you know, whereas like this would be sort of like I'm still working on it. Uh, just like I'm, I'm still writing this book that I'm definitely <laughs> going to finish and you will definitely get to read at some point. Um, I don't think that'll happen. Toby Fox seems... It seems like he's pretty chill. Got it together. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reception to this this chapter seems to be be pretty good. So we'll definitely hear about someone that who's pretty chill later. and has it together could absolutely never fail to deliver a final <laughs> a final product. Uh, it's it's only degenerates like me. Um, but to help me address that problem, um, I have been playing my favorite game uh this past weekend which is organize my life along new principles oh <laughs> yeah oh is that oh this is a new thing for you not hmm. new principles well <laughs> see old rob zachney um didn't have a very key piece of equipment hmm. uh, and that was a right. microsoft surface uh <laughs> surface pro why did you buy a Microsoft Surface? Uh, well, because remember how uh, my my MacBook keyboard was kind of wonky and uh-huh. uh, I had to really like fuck with it to, to get it to register hits on the E key. Oh, so instead of like talking to our like in-house IT people and getting a new computer, you decided to, to buy a Surface Pro. <laughs> yes, uh, hmm. okay. because I was thinking the the thing for me is i like having a nice laptop is good and everything but i've been really missing uh like having a good like i kind of wanted a tablet like this is why i was i had i had huge ipad envy uh for well yeah you, you were yeah you were peppering me like i uh apple as part of like an apple arcade push was like they sent me an ipad pro with like a a keyboard and i used that to like play a lot of ios games and i was like well i've got this thing i might as well try and see if i can turn it into a See if I could functionally turn it into a, a work laptop. And so I, I brought that to our most recent uh, stream and got lots of oohs and ahs from Austin and uh, and Rob. But I also had mentioned to Rob when he was asking me about kind of my uh, like production flow on it. It's like, you know, but I know that Austin really likes his Surface Pro. And my, my thought had always been all along that I think the restrictions of iOS specifically probably would have led you down uh, a different path. Yeah, I and I had I'd taken that on board and I was like, I'll bet Patrick's just wrong. Uh, but let me just <laughs> let me just double check. And so when I began checking out like, hey, how much of a laptop replacement is the new iPad? Even like the the Mac fan sites are basically like, well, they they kind of are trying to make it a productivity ipad but it sucks at it like it is a it is a (laughs) terrible version of the macbook uh so don't don't think that in any in any world the ipad's going to replace uh a a a macbook and i was like well i guess maybe i will check out that surface um 
And I had no idea that the perfect device was out there for me. Uh, oh, but God. it turns out it's it's the Surface. Mm. And uh, I live here now. And everything's going to be different from now on. Um, everything's You're going to be, be so productive. You're just going to get so many things done. Um, this is it. This is the, the key has unlocked Rob's acne. And it was it was this this pseudo computer tablet. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and now, admittedly, mostly most of what I've done so far has been to try to figure out how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, before I can unlock its true potential, I have to read articles about unlocking its true potential <laughs> and like how to make it uh, really do all the things I want it to do, which right now it does not. But I'm confident this fine mm-hmm. piece of machinery, once I have adapted myself to it, will do everything I could desire. Uh, the, con- and, the content machine is coming online. Uh, yeah. it, just, it just needs it just needs to read about what it takes to come online, and then it'll be fine. Emmanuel, like I think my uh, winter self eval, Emmanuel's just going to be like Rob. I don't know. You've been you've been crushing it, and frankly, would you like my job? Uh, I'm going <laughs> to fuck off and hang out on a beach for uh, for all of 2022, and I'll be like, you got it, big guy. Uh, let me at it. My Surface Pro and I will run motherboard. Um, <laughs> I am pretty confident that's how it's going to go once I learn how to use this thing. Uh, but no, but, but seriously, uh, I've spent the last few days getting up to speed on this thing, and it does. You want to know the, the really fucked up thing, the thing that I hadn't realized, and this is not this this is not new information. Hmm. Austin has known about this for years. I just hadn't like believed it. <laughs> See this little fucking pen I'm holding? Yeah, yeah. You've been fidgeting with it the entire uh, recording. Um, I had no idea that this thing is so good at reading handwriting that like I can just write, including cursive, I can just take cursive notes on this thing and it will turn that into text fields. And so I've, tr- I've, I've tried those, like the iPad has like also really good and I don't know, I feel like it was just an indictment of my sloppy handwriting, <laughs> but it was complete. It was completely fucking worthless for me. And I oh tried it on like multiple devices. I was like, is it just the iPad? It's like I tried it on someone's Surface, and it was just like I. I thought that was one of the things that I was thinking. I was like, oh, how does like this like iPad fit in? I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll like it'll be sitting next to me with like I had this spare Apple pencil um, hand me down from somebody, and that I had no use for because I didn't have a device that could use it yet. And so I just had it in a drawer and then used it with the iPad Pro. And I was like, oh, like, this is nifty. I'm like, maybe I, 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 I try to take notes. I tried this with like Bowser's Fury, like earlier this year. And I and I tried to do like the translation of my handwriting. And it was just like, sorry, you're like chicken scratch is just not like our algorithm. You know, we have so many engineers working on it. But actually, it turns out you're 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 the edge. That's incredible. And then and then I thought, well, I guess I'll just take I just won't have it translated to plain text. I'll just leave the notes. And I was like, well, that's not uh, that also seemed bad. And yeah, the so whole point just, is that it becomes searchable, right? Like, right, right. So yeah. I just I just gave up on that and then so, just went back to not taking notes, which mm-hmm. is what I usually do. Well, the weird thing is for me, like the part where like I started writing in cursive and it just started translating that into text. I was like, holy shit, this is a game changer. Because you do know me. I like the thing I have been about for a long time is like. Like I have notebooks and journals uh, that I mm-hmm. tend to. That is my primary like mode of interacting with the world and gathering my thoughts and like suddenly i have a laptop that is basically like a digital moleskin in some ways um and so the thing that like genuinely was like uh 
kind of game changing for me was that like yesterday I've got I'm sitting around like on the couch with football playing. I've never been great at like getting a lot done during football games because uh, like for some reason once I start you know typing and I don't know it's just different. But like here I'm just sort of sitting there curled up in my like notebook and this fucking pen I can just start dashing off quick responses two things like i'm just like writing a little like sticky note um <laughs> rather it doesn't feel like sending an email it just feels like yes no that sounds good and like all very easy all very lightweight and so now it's the same way i like to interact with just most of my work in organizing shit now i can do that on a laptop and that's honestly been the big change is like the fact that this 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 pen feels nice and my computer can somehow read all my handwriting. And suddenly I'm like, okay, now I can just, now I can just move everything into this ecosystem and uh, just let it violate the shit on my privacy. Uh, that's the, I was going to say Rob, Rob has finally, you know, we had discussions on previous podcasts. Like what are like the good <laughs> things that like AI and machine learning? Like what's like, we're like positive use cases for that. And it turns out it's Rob being able to, uh, write uh, with a digital pen on this fancy screen. That's you <laughs> oh, nailed it. Oh shit! I'll bet this. I'll bet this OCR software has been trained on machine learning a lot. <laughs> that's oh, like how no. these. That's like how these things. Like I've, oh, I've read no. about like how these like specific <laughs> this detection like technology works. It is all machine learning. <laughs> well, good. So hey, uh, so there were a lot of people who wrote in about like they have their own misgivings about uh, <laughs> machine learning and they're not sure if they're. Uh, working that field as being a net positive for society, I am here to tell you that we found the moral use, and it is turning this tablet into uh, a journal, um, and it's it's working out pretty nicely for moi. Uh, ergo, AI is good, but no, it's I. It is weird. Like this is the the other weird part of this too is like bit by bit. This is the fucking stalking horse to get me totally into some bullshit Microsoft ecosystem where it was like, hey, you know how nice the edge plays with all these things. And I was like, I don't, but I want to give it a try. And I'm just like, sure, edge, go at it. And Microsoft's like, hey, do you want Microsoft Edge to help you shop? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? <laughs> and so it's like, hey, we found some coupons. You want us to try these codes? Like, I guess this thing is listening to podcasts while I'm asleep. And it's like getting getting offer codes for different websites. And so now Microsoft's just like, hey, just so you know, um, to, to help you, we just kind of need to pay attention to everything you do and like what you're buying and like how you're shopping. We need your contacts list, too. And I'm like, as you should. You should just, you should absolutely have this. Of course. I mean, how else would you know? You need data for the machine to learn about me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cortana, you can't hear me. I didn't leave the mic open in my room all night long. Here, let me fix that right now. Just boop. All right. Keep an ear out. If you hear anything, uh, it sounds like it might be of interest. Just log it for later. Um, But yeah, no. So that's, that's basically how I spent my weekend is getting the shit all set up and uh I don't know I think the future is pretty bright with this uh with this with the surface um I mean the future is not bright for my privacy of course um well that I, was that's long gone though so you know you're you're good yeah I don't think I don't think like Joseph over at motherboard would approve of this right no probably not but I think Emmanuel would <laughs> 
I think Emmanuel would be like, yes, this is this is the compromise we've all made. Um, and so absolutely, like this thing should just like, you know, learn your face and your fingerprints. And, you know, at some point, I'm sure these things will have some sort of like little blood sample thing that you can just feed it. Uh, that'll be the new bio lock. But in the meantime, the handwriting interface is great. But apparently, apparently that's been true for years because Austin was like, yeah, I used the surface all through grad school for all my notes. And so I could have had like a decade of just like having a, a smart notebook. Um, and I just didn't cause I was, I was stubborn. I was stubborn. Mm. Well, I'm glad you fixed it. I'm happy for you. I can't wait till cut to two weeks from now. <laughs> well, here's this new, here's this new thing that if I get this and goes with the surface, then finally this will, this will unlock my true potential. I think so. Um, Although I, I think I've got, I think I've got most of the key accessories. Got the nice pen. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't get the cover with the nice leather because uh, they were out. But well, say it not so. <laughs> not for lack of trying. Like, no, the, the, I'm actually global actually manufacturing pretty, shortage due to an ongoing pandemic prevented Rob from getting the nice brown leather around his it, new Surface Pro. Orange red it would have matched the pen, so I'm kind of seething. <laughs> They would have gone. The whole thing wow. would have been like a little motif. Um. Well, the, I guess the other thing I, I like too is is they stuck to the uh, magnetized everything thing that uh, Apple got away from. Uh, remember when they had like the Apple chargers just like sort of magneted in mm-hmm. to position MagSafe. Yeah, yeah. rules. I loved it, and then they were like, "We're not going to do that anymore." I don't know why. Um, because since then I have tripped and like (laughs) (laughs) i have have accidentally thrown my macbook to the floor many many times uh and also been like tripped myself so i am i am fully in favor of things like lightly magneting into place and not being like uh the fucking toe cable from empire strikes back that is that is my preferred connector uh motif so anyway point is i didn't play any games this weekend uh which i know that's my job but um i had to get good at doing the managerial parts of my job through the power of the cloud um so instead i played evernote this weekend it's great and with evernote? that i guess we can take a break <laughs> sorry kata no just ever evernote that's one of the oh, taking do you not apps. know evernote uh, stop stop he needs it's to know a, that's pe- uh a new harmonics game, right? No. <laughs> it's a digital note-taking platform, Kato, that like organizes all like the bits of trivia and scraps of information and digitizes it and archives it permanently. Uh and so like again, you can just sort of be sitting there and being like, boy, that was an interesting that seems like an important point in this article uh that I just read. I will just highlight it using my pen and then I will send it to Evernote. And Evernote will keep it for me forever. Um and Evernote can also act as like a planning journal. Um, hmm. Now, obviously, it charges you money for the more the the higher end features, but it's real good at like organizing stuff. And and honestly, if I were doing like big research projects, I think it would probably be a must in this day and age. Uh, but right now, it's mostly just a luxury because I like I like taking little trimmings from news articles and being like, who knows when this will be when I want to see this again. So <laughs> it's not, it's less weird than it sounds. Kato, you only think you can live without it. You need it. We all do. I just, I especially because my notes app, I guess I, I don't if take both of you on Evernote though. though uh-huh. Then 
I'm pretty sure I could send you things. I need to check out, like, what can you do with other Evernote users? Because <laughs> what if we were all, <laughs> on you know, Evernote. obviously, we're in DeskNet, we're in Google Calendars, but, yeah. like, what if we had one Evernote to rule them all and in the darkness bind them? Uh, let me, hang on, let me just jot that thought down on my scratch pad. Start writing on your scratch pad. Wait, what the fuck? Okay, quick thing. Evernote doesn't seem to recognize the pen. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they'll get on this at some point soon. Uh, Rob's going to be tweeting at Evernote. He seals her thumb into the... Cast it into the... Cast it into the lava. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to write some... Very critical tweets at Evernote. <laughs> they might be caustic. They might be personal. Uh, they will not be gonna, legally actionable. Are you going to write the tweets with the pen? Yes, because I know for a fact <laughs> I can write tweets out with the pen. I that for, the idea that Rob is uh, sitting out on like a Sunday, tweeting from his couch with his goddamn pen. Is is an image. That's an image. Like tweeting his Justin Fields takes. Like, hmm. <laughs> oh man, we got we got to send take, one of these fucking- to Brian Baldinger so that he can do his like he can telestrate his yeah, all twenty two film of the games. I can, uh, but I can see the pen, but in my mind, the pen has like a giant feather taped to it. Even now, I see it just like. <laughs> No, that's not even my aesthetic. Well, it's not my primary aesthetic. No. <laughs> like, admittedly, well, I guess I one I mean, of my last big research projects was a history of the uh, political philosophy of Frederick the Great. But <laughs> anyway, look, I, I, I just think you can't, you can't ignore the fact that. Part, at least part of this has something to do with epistolary, right? Like at least part, like of like the the want of like handwriting of like you know the, that old lost art of letter <laughs> letter writing. There's that, but also like, I, but there is a ton of research, right, about like your memory centers engage differently when you are like writing shit writing out by hand out, yeah. than when you're just like typing or copying and pasting. That is real. And I am, like, really susceptible to that. So, hmm. like, I think it does help because I kind of – I definitely use note-taking and writing as a crutch to, like, help me retain stuff. Um, and so now this just lets me do that in my digital life as well. I don't – I feel like I – I feel like I didn't um, – it doesn't stick with me as much. But I, for some reason, can remember where I put things, even if I don't remember the thing itself. It's like here's this category of thing I wrote down in a document somewhere. Well, that's my that's my th- this type of thought document. <laughs> so if I, if I'm not mistaken, like one of the keys behind like shit like building a a memory palace is that <laughs> you put information in a context. That's how it works. That's why the device of like creating these uh like imaginary spaces works because information that's just like a fact that exists without any sort of associated context is very hard to retain. But like, as I understand it, the exercise of like creating a mind palace is the fact now exists <laughs> in relation to other things. Uh, and so like when Kato, you're saying like, you can remember where you put stuff. I think that is basically the heart of like the mind palace device. 
Oh my god. <laughs> are we still are we I, on a break? Oh yeah, anyway. After the break. <laughs> stalker. Oh my god. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And we're back. <laughs> Patrick, what else can I inflict on you? Uh, we, we, now, that, now that I've told you all my ways, uh, I've taught you my, my, secret, uh, my, my secret philosophies, my approaches to, to the good life. What else can I share with you uh, to, to help uplift you? Well, that, we have to – we got to figure that out, right? You're about to inflict upon me, stalker, <laughs> our next – Waypoint uh, 101, um, but the we were going to have this – originally, this was a conversation we are going to have in an after dark that you will listen to this week, and then we had a long therapy session at, in podcast form uh, instead <laughs> um, and didn't get to it even over the course of three hours. Um, and then we were going to have it in an editorial meeting. And it was like, no, we should just record this and have people be a part of it um, and see how we kind of come to the conclusion. But basically – yeah, our next Waypoint 101 is Stalker, but the question is uh, – well, there are several questions. There is a, an order of operations towards getting to Stalker the game because I know you want to read a book, watch a movie, and play a game. And even with the game, it is then a question of which game. And even then, once which game is picked, it is which uh, fan modification of that game – would be the, the the appropriate one. Um, so that I, think, I believe that sets the table for what this is. This was like when we were coming up with the next couple of months of Waypoint 101s. Rob really wanted to do Stalker, um, and I was like, "Well, if we're going to do Stalker, then let's let's go all out and not just play the game." Do but, Stalker. Uh, yeah, Stalktober. Stalk- I think is what I came up with on <laughs> yeah. Friday. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Stalktober. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, to do all of this will require the month of October. Yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. Why, why don't you, as, as the as the, per, as the architect, what are you? What are you? I think we had talked about doing book, movie, game, but like, why? Why do you think the book and the movie are like important on on that journey? Other than it will be the only way that I ever read that book <laughs> or watch that movie, which I know both are extremely culturally important to a lot of things that I like, but I have enough problem keeping pace with the present that I I almost never go backwards. Um, And so I I was interested in this, if only for the exercise of being able to say, I can, I can read a book or listen to an audio book during work time. Uh, And that that is credibly uh, something I can, you know, if I had a timesheet, I could, I could mark it as such. Yeah. Um, so, if we're being honest, like, 
you don't need to do either of those things <laughs> to enjoy the stalker games. Well, right, but... <clears throat> but I think it, it is interesting to see how... It, it's, it's interesting to see how, like, certain ideas and motifs, uh, like, interconsciousness and begin to be like spun in these different directions and interpreted in light of these different events. So like all of this begins with, yeah, uh, the book, uh, roadside picnic, which is a, a novella, uh, by the Strugatsky brothers. And it is a like really surprisingly influential book. Um, they were, they were Soviet authors. Um, the book is set in in Canada, but sort of in the Arctic Circle. It's it's it it seems like a very evident way to get around censors uh, at that point to sort of like locate it to a uh, you know a Soviet Union like territory uh, that is not the Soviet Union. But <laughs> the, the real heart of it is there is a there's a place uh, that has become like almost infected by anomalies uh, in in the world. And Roadside Picnic is basically follows um, the workers who their job is to be stalkers and to go into this zone and fish out the weird shit you find there. But the, the, the crucial part of this is Roadside Picnic is kind of about the unknowability of uh like phenomena uh the fact that there are like if we encountered things that were outside human experience uh that were like profoundly alien in that way we they would forever and always be alien that be, they're so far beyond our experience that we would just never come to understand them at all and so it's this this novel it sort of catches this character at three moments in his life uh you know and and how being associated with the zone has, has affected him. Um, and this, this idea ends up kind of resonating through both a later film, but also I think this is pretty crucial to what the stalker games, uh, turn into. The funny thing is, you know, this is written, uh, you know, well before the fall of communism, uh, in, in the Soviet union. And it, you know, it inspires the film, the Tarkovsky film, uh, Stalker, which is now a, a very, uh, like, you can draw a straight line from that movie to a, to a million games uh, right now. But the funny thing is, all those games are basically products of the post-Soviet world and are really uh, sort of interpreting the film and the book in light of uh, the Chernobyl disaster and the collapse of the Soviet Union. And so it's one of the things that interests me about all of this is a lot of like these two works, uh, the, the, the film stalker and roadside picnic, they're, they're sort of created at a time where that sense of inevitability about like how history is going to go. That doesn't exist. Like they, like nobody knows how it's all going to turn out, what the what the fate of the Soviet Union is going to be. Uh but they become these like pieces that become deeply resonant for the world where uh the Soviet Union would fall and the like 
geopolitical borders and day-to-day realities of the former East Bloc would be profoundly different. Um, yeah, and, and so I, I think, like, just in terms of looking at how ideas and theme are interpreted and reinterpreted in really different contexts and are sort of uh, appropriated for use in a different moment, I think it'll be really interesting to go back and look at these uh, earlier works and then see, like, how they end up being dusted off for games starting in, like, the mid-2000s, right? Because it's not like there's an unbroken chain of, like, oh, man, here's another Stalker adaptation. That, like, wasn't really a thing uh, until the mid-2000s. And maybe it's because that's not until, like, you know, gaming in the in the in the former soviet union begins to converge into the mainstream a little bit that it's they're they're no longer like uh on separate islands but i don't know it's it's interesting to me that like this has become an enormously popular theme and set of aesthetics uh and yet it all stems from these things that pretty vastly predate the world of games and the technology that drives it uh, Kato, do you have any familiarity with any any of any of these works? I played seven hours of Stalker at some point in my life, and I do not remember them. Great. Why did like, you pl- Why did you play it? Just because it was like a game of the a moment, or like what? what yeah, what even brought it up. I mean, it was just like a thing people talked about, you know, in these like mm-hmm. reverent tones, and I was like, yeah, I think, I'll I think try it. Say, like I I played like three hours of w- one of them at some point. I think for Giant Bomb or something mm-hmm. in the same sort of spirit. It was like ah, man, people. People I really like talk about Stalker as though they're, you know, talk, you know, speak from the heart so deeply about their mm-hmm. interactions and reverence for that series and what it evokes. Uh, that seems like the kind of that seems like the kind of game I'd probably like. Uh, and then played a couple hours and never really bounced off it. I think I more just like didn't didn't get back get back to it because I wasn't yeah. you know playing it for war. It was so it was, it's I I don't have strong feelings about it. Well, I went as far as downloading at least what at the time seemed to be the mod that people were saying as the one I should download um, and, and work. But I, I can't even remember what that is at that point. But um, it is one that I've wanted a reason and excuse to, to go back. Uh, to. Yeah. But you did like the Metro games, right? Yeah. So, that, I mean, that sort of ended up becoming my make good on Stalker was like then, you know, the first Metro comes out and Bullets' currency sounded delightful. Um, and, and and in some ways it was uh, – you know, and I'll be curious, you know, going back to Stalker, you know, every year that you, you know, every year that advances and thus you then go back to Stalker is also just a year in which its mechanics and design, you know, take on additional weight of history. Um, and the Metro games, while not open world, at least not until they got to, um, uh, you know, the most recent one, which <laughs> which none of us played, despite it being like if you were to to have like. <laughs> pitched us like what's the game you'd love to play it's like oh what if like a stalker style game but a big open world environment oh no hold on i played enough of it to be like uh no well yeah that's episode and i i played like three hours and was like ah this is doing absolutely nothing for me um but i just mean on paper it should have been like a collective game of the year for 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 all of us um and instead like austin included like found uh, like it just did not did not work for us and and, uh, granted i think the metro games kind of went on a precipitous decline like, you know, uh, from the if you think kids are those that goes games packaged as as three, I think the first one is the strongest, partially because it's the most rickety of of, of the bunch. But, yeah, I, I really fell for the world and 
the atmosphere um, of of Metro, which is, if anything, now I guess makes it more interesting. To, I think that's I, that must have been why I went back to it. Like if I'm thinking, I must have really liked Metro, and I was like, oh, this seems like a chance to I should go back and check out Stalker. Um, and well, now, and that's the know, that's the other thing too is like so the Stalker game has become really interesting because if you sort of put that next to the Metro series, like as I understand it, 4A Games, the team that made Metro uh, 2033. Mm-hmm. That's literally a breakaway studio from GSC Game World. Right, um, correct. And you could see it through this lens of Stalker is this attempt, and very imperfectly, to create really interesting like systems that exist in the world without the player even ha- necessarily needing to be present to make them run, right? The idea of there is... There are simulational elements that are powering the world of Stalker, where stuff is happening that's indifferent to the player. It's not necessarily there for the player's consumption. Um, but intention with that was that the Stalker series also wanted to tell like really sharp and engaging narratives, mm-hmm. and ultimately, like the team that goes off to make the Metro series makes effectively like linear narrative games right like i mean metro 2033 like it's chapter by chapter by chapter like there's places you have some variety of approach you can take but by and large like at this point in the game you are in this zone and that's it that's you're gonna play through the the level uh that is before you whereas stalker as that series goes on the final game they make call of pripyat is basically an open world game uh, and there's actually not many discrete, like, level sections even that you have to worry about in it. It is predominantly, like, you are literally dropped into the middle of the zone, and it's like, go figure this shit out. And at that point, there's, like, almost no trace of traditional shooter design uh, present in that game. So that's the other part that's interesting is is when, like, the Stalker series is really viable, like, Stalker is emblematic of this other idea both of like what the future of like the immersive sim could be what like game storytelling could be but also like and and this is maybe more key what open worlds should be it's a different argument right we're like i think now pretty much the default open world game is it's all there for your consumption like if you go see something the game's like hey you made it you saw that thing congratulations uh, it's been here waiting for you. Stalker always gives you the sense of like, you might just show up at a bad time and something's already like you missed the really interesting thing uh, or you just showed up and like it's uh, a more hostile area than it really is meant to be. And like suddenly you just end up in a part of the game just feels unbalanced uh, in terms of its difficulty. But that's just that's just how Stalker rolls. Um, and I don't think a lot of games have have taken that up uh, as much, or at least have not executed it in the way that felt often magical in the stalker games. Because I think that is that is what you find with that fandom is people have their stalker stories about like I couldn't believe the world did this, and I'm not sure there's many games that have been as successful at conjuring this sense of discovery and wonder uh, that also is totally thematically consistent both with the world that those games are trying to build 
but also with the things that inspire them. Like playing the Stalker games. When I went back and I read Roadside Picnic, I was like, holy shit. Like I can see like this, this is almost like a, in places, it's almost like a fucking design document for how this series is supposed to be. Um, that's kind of what they are trying to evoke and they largely succeed. And I don't think there's been a lot, there's been many games that have tried to take that angle. Connor, you think you had something you were trying to say before? Uh, uh, just a question about the game. There's three of them, right? Where does, um, clear, right? Is, clear sky yeah, I was going to say, I only have stalker, clear <laughs> sky, stalker, clear sky, and then stalker call of Pripyat, right? Those are I only, I only have Shadow of Chernobyl and Call of Pripyat, which is funny to me. I don't know why I skipped that other one. Uh, I assume it had something to do with like the circles I was like listening to at the time being like, that one sucks or something. But what's the like popular conception of like where these each stand as far as like quality and like, mm, like, yeah, like I think you put out a call even of like, you know which which where where to start with stalker right uh, out on twitter yeah. and i saw that you mentioned if you think clear skies now's your time did anyone actually uh speak to that uh yeah actually someone did weigh in and uh like argue on behalf of clear sky um which is a was the second so, game see, but a prequel technically right it's a prequel yeah okay. uh shadow of chernobyl's the first game so there's Clear Sky. Well, okay, let me just read the person who's in favor of Clear Sky. Okay. Because I think it's an interesting argument. Uh, this comes from Matt. Matt writes, uh, I only have 46 hours in Clear Sky because of how much it liked to crash, but it had some of the most me- fun mechanics that combined both of the other games. Clear Sky is the best combination of the large world with unpredictable changes to areas that Stalker 1 had and the more advanced anomaly and artifact system. The problem, basically, that's the stu- that's the loot that you're going to be finding in the world, except it's not like just lying around for you to take it. Like, usually it's the center of something really dangerous or weird, uh, and you have to learn how to navigate your way there. You'll get there. You'll see. Uh the problem with Stalker 1 is that the artifacts are just spread around the map and visible to the naked eye. In Clear Sky, you need a detector. The problem with Call of Pripyat is the three maps that uh, the three maps make it feel very small, even with the Misery mod. We'll get there. Mm. It feels small and confined. Clear Sky feels bigger than Stalker 1 and Call of Pripyat, but has the added anomaly mechanics and emissions. The best parts of Clear Sky are not in the other games. Big one is the faction wars, which made the world feel very alive and unpredictable. Sometimes you load into an area and allies control it. Sometimes it's just full of boars. Combining the faction wars and the regular stalker jobs gave it the best non-story content. I joined Freedom. uh, That's a faction. I joined the Freedom faction so Uncle Yar can max out my uh, Vinterez. Other cool aspects of Clear Sky with a weird old guy in the tower and the red forest full of bloodsuckers. Red forest full of, like, red forest is one of the most fucked up places I've been in a video game. And it is why I have a soft spot for Clear Sky. <laughs> uh, Clear Sky isn't the best stalker game. And in truth, the first one with no mods is where one, where one should start. But if they're only playing one stalker game, Clear Sky will give them the full experience. Includes areas from the first game, better anomaly mechanics, weapon upgrades and repairing, factions, and cool scripted story beats. 
If it doesn't constantly crash, which it probably will, it is the best stalker game, followed by the original unmodded, then Oblivion Lost, then Misery. Never use complete because the weapons are too accurate. <laughs> I mean, because that is, that is the question, right? Like when we're thinking about, oh. like, I'm only going to play one of these, right? Like, I'm yeah. not going to play more stalker games. No, I, I, so we have to, we have to perfectly sommelier. Oh my God. Well, it, like, when, like when, it's, it's sort of like when, when you played Resident Evil and I was as, as like your partner and guide, part of what I was trying to do was, uh, cause we talked about playing the, like the original original or playing the remake. Um, and then my role, you're like putting your camera. What do you do? Stop. <laughs> Please put it in a position that is not making me nauseous. Um, me as the guide, like coming up with certain, like trying to rub off some of the rougher edges in the game, not because I wanted Rob to have like the purest Resident Evil experience, mm -hmm. but get enough of what is special about this. How can you as sort of an outsider come in and get the feel of like what makes this game so special to so many people um, without sort of like losing the plot along the way because of the games, you know, like, like specifically like in that puzzle sequence, when you were, you were shuffling, you know, like the bookcase or whatever it was over um, at, with a certain level of timing. And you were like slowly, Oh my God. Right. Like there's a different world where you're playing that by yourself <clears throat> at home. And, it like it sours so much of the experience for you, and so not that you like you shouldn't run into frustration or roadblocks um, or experience friction, especially in a game where friction is part of the experience. And I understand that's part of Stalker, but I do think it, it makes an interesting question of which one to approach and from what like angle. And I guess that means in terms of like mod, no mods, etc. Because like, are you going for a clean Stalker experience, or in in as part of this is the goal to impart? Why is this game interesting to so many people? And then, you know, what is the angle you take to approach that? Um, you know, I, as someone that knows nothing about Stalker, or very little, like, th that's where I leave you in my hands to figure out, like, what that, what that approach is, um, and then go from there. Yeah, it's... And that's, and that's the thing, like, some of the points raised here are very good. Like, I have... So, the reason... The rep on Clear Sky is that it was it was janky as hell. Like there are some things in that game that have stuck with me because I'm still angry about them like ten years later. Like what? Uh, there, what does that mean? What does janky mean? So even necessarily janky. So there's a point where you are dumped into a familiar part of the world. And you have to go sprinting for cover, but you are dumped out next to, like, a army machine gun nest. And if they see you, they open fire on you. And because it's a stalker game, enemies tend to actually be pretty accurate. Like, this isn't one of those games where, like, oh, they always miss, like, the first eight shots or whatever. This is, like, if you are out in the open, this thing will zero you out in seconds. Um, but the problem is, there's, like, no way to get past this machine gun without going out in the open. And so until you identify the very poorly signposted route that it wants you to take, and it is not the route that makes any sort of intuitive sense. Like if you were saying, if I were trying to dodge this machine gun, I would not go this direction, but that's kind of what the game wants you to do. Mm. You will just die again and again, but it's not clear enough 
that you're just going the wrong way. You will get tantalizingly close and you will die in different places again and again and again. Um, I must have tried to sneak past them some machine gun on the order of like 40 or 50 times. Hmm. And this is early in the game. Like this is like you get through like a two hour prologue and then you are just fed to this machine gun again and again and again. On the other side of that machine gun, game's great. Like Clear Sky opens up. It's wonderful. But it's completely fucked up in that in that moment. Um, and no other game has shit like that where it's like this is just really poorly conceived. Clear Sky has a lot of poorly conceived shit. This this allusion to like the faction war system. Uh yeah, the Clear Sky wanted to have this idea of what the original game alludes to, which is there's like different clans of stalkers uh inhabiting the world and doing shit. Clear Sky wants to bring that to life and have the different clans like carrying out like clan wars and like feuding and fighting for territory. But as I understand it, like the system's only half implemented. It doesn't really work. Um, and so like there are mods to basically finish implementing it. And so now the world does feel lively, but it's not really Clear Sky as it originally existed. The thing I'll say for Clear Sky is it's gorgeous. Um, between Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl and Clear Sky, I think they overhauled the graphics tech. Like Clear Sky is a DirectX 10 uh, game. It's whenever they started showing off loads of God Rays to show off what uh, the new DirectX was capable of. Right. But Clear Sky has that, and they use it to really good effect. Like, it has some of the most gorgeous landscapes in Stalker. Like, it's um, all the games have a really eerie and wild beauty. Clear Sky might be the best realization of it, but it's so hard to recommend because it is like it's kind of the least finished and buttoned up of the games. Um, even if the highs are incredibly high. Hmm. The, what does that mean? What are we going to do? Well, someone else has an opinion. Oh, all right. Let me know Please. if it sounds good. Okay. Tova writes, The ideal way to experience and become the true stalker is coincidentally how I played it for the first and only time in 2009 after reading mm. some hundreds of forum posts debating the merits of various options. Obviously, never run the .exe before sundown. Open a window, put some headphones on, have some vodka within reach, and hang your gas mask around your neck if you happen to own one. <laughs> Install Stalker Complete 2009, set the difficulty to master level, and turn the crosshair off with as much of the HUD as you feel comfortable without. Look up on a guide where the best equipment in the starting encampment is. You will find a lot very close by. Take the mission to raid the bandit camp at the farmhouse and save scum through it. When the last bandit is claimed by the zone, you will find yourself transformed and ready to scavenge, trespass, adventure, loner, kill, etc. Good luck, and may the wish granter find you worthy. Pander, does that sound like something you might be interested in? No, that sounds pretty fucking miserable. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, so the thing is, uh-huh. that bandit camp in the farmhouse uh-huh. is the first encounter in Stalker. It is 
maybe the hardest gunfight in the entire series. Because oh, this great. is how Stalker rolls. Like, Stalker is like, man, it would really suck if you had dropped into this world full of, like, badasses with machine guns and, like, small armies at their disposal. It would suck if the only thing you had in that world was, like, a denim jacket and a, like, Makarov pistol. Anyway, here's your denim jacket and your Makarov <laughs> pistol. Uh, and then you're just, you spent, uh, like, and then, like, go deal with these low-level enemies uh, in this farmhouse. Except the game doesn't really have levels. Uh, they're just, like, random scavengers. But it turns out that your gun sucks and you can't, like, tank damage at all. And so that first gun battle uh, is just one of the most, like, ruthlessly brutal in the entire series and i love it like this is the thing like (laughs) the things that are unapproachable and prickly about stalker also make it interesting and it is true that like once you clear some of these like really ugly choke points the you like you will not be challenged in that way again and you will start to feel like oh yeah i like i am now capable of reading the zone in a way it wasn't before it's becoming a real place hmm. uh, so yeah pe- kind of how early is that encounter like first 20 minutes it's the first gunfight there's no way i probably ignored but, uh, it is there a way to ignore it no i don't think so like even if i'm just like doing fuck all and just kind of wandering can you actually i like, am not I am not sure you can get into the main game until you do this. Because I don't remember this. And I I have Steam says I played seven hours of this game. So it's possible that I I did get through it at some point. um, And just totally blanked. But I I feel like I might have hit it and then like walked away and just kind of fucked around thinking I could I was not supposed to do that until I got a better gun or something. But yeah, can you think, actually, is it like, how like, how hard is the tunneling at the beginning? Because I feel like, in my mind, my, in my memory, it, it was like, kind of loosey-goosey. Like, it told you where to go, but there weren't, yes. like, guardrails necessarily. No, it's not, it's not real well signposted. There, there's a few places that it will funnel you towards. Um, but, yeah, it's, there's a lot of, like, go here and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um that kind of defines the experience, but that's why that's why I'm here to help. Uh, like once Patrick <laughs> is streaming this, um, I'll be over his shoulder, being oh like, God. "Here's what you do next." Um, so my instinct, Patrick, is um, Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl is kind of the, still the one that probably is where the game's rep stems from, and most importantly, it's the one most directly inspired by the book in the film. Um, the the downside is that all the things I've said that are amazing about Stalker, like, oh, they build this world, there's all these simulational elements. All of that goes away in the last, like, two hours of the game because it's like, all right, time to get you to the end game. And it's sort of a classic problem of you just enter a, a denouement, like, um corridor shooter stage almost is mm-hmm. is how it ends like you're taken out of the world as you've known it and it's like we are now going to speed run you <laughs> through a lot of the big landmarks you've been circling around this entire game and here's the problem we are not a studio that's very good at building these and so it turns into kind of a shitty 
sour end to the experience, but for like the 80% of the game up to that point, it's pretty magical. Um, so I think we're going to have to do Shadow Chernobyl, but I am... My first experience was with um, Stalker Complete, which does cosmetically upgrade the game a lot, uh, like provides a lot of like quality of life improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we will all appreciate those a lot. But I am... Kind of wondering if uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh-huh. maybe a different mod might not be the way to go. What's the different mod? Um, also, I don't think, have we talked about why is this always a question with Stalker? Can you, could you just open Stalker and play it? Or like, yeah, the way people this originally is, this did? Or well, Rob, is can, it, Rob can correct me, but I don't, this isn't a question of like dead game uh, fans, it's more like a pretty broken game, but functional, and the fans doing a lot of quality of life stuff um, for for it. Um, right, but sometimes are, that, sometimes you say quality of life, and that's like a design choice, right? It's like they change that because people will. It's it'll cause less friction, but the friction was originally designed into the game, and I wonder where the, where the line is on on that sort of thing. Okay, so honestly, what a lot of this is around is. These games are notoriously janky. They always were. Okay. And so to a degree, what you're dealing with here is something real similar. I was talking to uh, Matt Galt about this this morning. This is 100% a New Vegas type situation. Like, there's a lot to admire and love about the base game. And there's even a, a strong case to be made that, like, yeah, people should play that base game without mods and everything. But also, anyone who's ever been through it is never going to play it without mods again. Right. Like it's just not even it's just not the good way to play it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a lot of interest in using mods to sort of cut away at kind of the broken or poorly implemented features that kind of marred the first release and get a more frictionless uh, like put together as intended uh, vision of the game. And to that end we might be doing zone reclamation project, which is probably the minimalist, uh, like of the various mod projects zone reclamation is, as I understand it, the most hands off in terms of like how it's changing the game. And it is mostly just trying to stabilize it, Mm. uh, improve the function of the features that are there, but not do some of the stuff that a lot of the other mods do, which is like, this game should be harder or, the faction behavior should be rewritten so they're more interactive or what this game really needs are more side quests. Um, zone reclamation is probably as close as we're going to get to um, <sighs> director's cut stalker insofar as like if they'd had that final like three, six months they needed to test all the features properly, properly and make sure it was all working. It's probably what the game would have looked like. Right. Okay. That's the argument. That seems that seems good. That's I like that because yeah, somebody in that email mentioned that the changes to difficulty in like complete, for example, were pretty stark. So I was wondering where we we're going with that. I think uh, reclamation sounds like the way to go. Then, Patrick, can you can you get behind that? 
I, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna weigh in. I don't. I, you, <laughs> I, you. I'm leaving this out of my hands. I I'm I'm here. I can ask questions. I can probe. Uh, right. You need you need you need to make the call on where we what we end up uh, doing. I mean, we're not starting this playthrough quite yeah, yet. Yeah, we, so we have time. Is the kind of thing like we're just opening the door to this that if if people want to, we can revisit this. Like right. we can make. We don't actually have to make a final decision at the moment. This was more getting people. Um, you know, part part of our almost editorial process to figure out. Um, so people have really strong. I mag guesses because this is true of all fucking stalker fans. Um, they have very strong thoughts about what we should or shouldn't do, and so I almost think there is maybe a benefit to letting this linger a little bit longer. <laughs> like you can make you can make a soft choice on what you think you want us to do, but I think we should maybe leave ourselves a little bit of wiggle room, given that we're going to. What so I think we'll 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 start doing the 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 book next next week, right? Um, yeah, and probably start playing the game alongside that. So, uh, or do you want to do the book and the movie and then play the game? No, I think I think to make the logistics work, we're gonna have to start doing some of this in parallel. Right. Um, and who knows? Maybe you will just tear through soccer so fast that like we'll, we will get into Call of Pripyat. Just to give you a little taste of the open world. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, for yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, I, I think maybe we should we'll leave ourselves in wiggle room to revisit this because we're not gonna start playing it until next week. Like that's there's a good chance that's probably what we're streaming. You know, next Friday. Um, yeah, there's so a. If people, if people have thoughts, they should they should write in and, and let us let us know. We can. If people have like long shot arguments, or maybe there's a secret mod we don't know about to the people sh- that we we should have on our radar. Here's my mod that I made. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's yeah, well that's yeah, that's well a lot of the big that. mod projects do kind of just roll up those private mods and be mm. like, yeah, this is like if memory serves from the last time I installed Zone Reclamation Project, if you like looked at the installer uh files for like ZRP, it's actually just a omnibus of like a million different like really granular mods. Mm. Um because that's that's how mod projects work, right? It's right. like you know what you know. What I'm gonna fix. I don't like the way the campfires look in this game. So here comes you know Vlad's campfire lighting fix. Uh, better campfires for stalker, and that people are like, yeah, those are better campfires, and in it goes. Um, <laughs> you know what the guys with the guitars needed more tunes, and it's like yeah, they do need more tunes. In the tunes go. Um, I don't know that ZRP has shit like that, but the, the, the scene is full of stuff like that. So yeah, uh, to, to Patrick's point, we will, we have a little time to figure all this out. Um, cause there are a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of vigorous debate happening in my Twitter mentions, uh, right now. And <laughs> it turns out like, I thought I knew soccer. I don't know stalker at all. It's a game of mysteries and wonder. That sounds about right. Yeah. There is always. There's always a bigger stalker fan who has a stronger opinion. That has always been my impression of that community. And I I, I mean that lovingly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm doing there. So I wanted to get a question to uh-huh. us because I know that we've been ignoring the question bucket a little bit. Um, and, you know, I hate I hate just leaving things, uh, you know, untouched for for too long in our in our question bucket. We have. Nick from Lansing writing, mm. hey, Waypoint crew, during Breakfast and Battlegrounds, you folks talked about the idea of the forever game. Patrick and Austin thought PUBG might be that game. A year later, 
Do you feel the same way? Or rather, than a specific game, do you think the Battle Royale may be your forever genre? Uh, Patrick, has the Battle Royale turned out to be your forever genre? Uh, it, appear, it appears not. No. Uh, the World Flipper. I, a gotcha mobile game will be my end up being my forever game. No, I mean, like, it's, it's difficult. I think it's like part of that conversation of the forever game is like directly incompatible with uh, our like work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, you kind of can't have a forever game based on the way that we have structured our jobs. Uh, you know, you can, we have moved into a space where, you know, you, there are people who can be hired to just write about a specific game. And in some ways like that can be your forever game, but like, no, um, obviously, yeah, we kind of stopped playing PUBG after we stopped playing PUBG on, on stream. So no, the battle Royale did not, did not maintain its status as a forever game. It held on for a while though. Like I've been mean, playing like PUBG was like the longest. I probably the longest like sustained play I've had a, for a game over a course over a period of time. Um, when I tend to just kind of play a thing and, and move on. But, uh, no, uh, dear, dear, dear listener, dear writer. Um, when that letter was probably written two years ago, three years ago. <laughs> oh, it's got to be like three. Three years yeah. ago, right? Because it's a year after doing PUBG. So that could have been two or three years ago. Whew. What's your hour Time. count end up hitting in PUBG? On PUBG? I guess I can look, right? Um, Let's see. I'm going to guess somewhere near 100, but I guess it could be less than that. Let's see. You think less than 100? Oh, it's not called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds That's anymore, pub- right? PUBG. Just PUBG, PUBG Battlegrounds. PUBG Battlegrounds. 124.7. Which is that redundant, right. isn't it? Yes. <laughs> 100 and what? Um, 124.7 hours. No, it's on record. Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> uh, Wait, the game's now official titles PUBG Battlegrounds? Yeah, PUBG mm-hmm. colon yeah, Battlegrounds. It switched which... as a part of them separating from um, the More, designer. Yeah. Uh, the, doing his own thing. I wonder if that's. I wonder if that's the most of a game I have played on Steam. That's probably. That's probably true. I can't imagine a game that I've played more than than that. Yeah. I don't play what? games that long. A hundred. Hundred. How many hundreds? Just one hundred twenty-four. I just. I. I can't a imagine a game hundred. in the last five years that I played more than that. You know what I mean? Like most games, I'm playing. You know, action adventure games that last 15, 20 hours. I'm just. Yeah. I, 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 that is probably yeah. the most I put singularly into a single game. Is is that? I know I have a hundred hours in Spelunky, um, yeah, so that's pretty close. But uh, I yeah, I think to, I might I have broken three hundred on Total War Three Kingdoms. Um, yeah, but those games are like designed for. I mean, that's like not shocking. Yeah, no, um, exactly, exactly. It's just it's it's like weird to like. Oh yeah, if you if you lopped off like strategy games that you just play play again and again and again, uh, then my hour count would plummet precipitously. Because uh, yeah, there's just not many that like break uh, high high hour counts. Uh, anyway, we will try to get to more questions, and we will let you know through our handy-dandy newsletter. Uh, Patrick has started writing a newsletter. We couldn't stop him. Uh, he was like, <laughs> I'm a man of words. Uh, I get I get antsy when I haven't hit publish on something. And we were like, what if instead of hitting publish, we said hit send? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now, because Patrick has all your emails... Um, he's going to be in those inboxes telling you what we're up to or what we've been up to. Mm. Uh, Patrick, what, what, what can people like, why should people check their spam folders, uh, for, <laughs> for that newsletter? <laughs> to be, uh, 
to be clear Go too, ahead. it's just Waypoint Plus subscribers right now. Cor- correct. Yeah. Right now, this is yeah a, a a an email that's going out Monday and Fridays with sort of like, hey, what's coming up, and hey, here's what happened. You know, the idea being that we one of the kind of like common pieces of feedback we've had since Waypoint Plus launched was, hey. Like what's going on? It's like that's a great question. We're very we've been very bad at communicating like what we're up to, when those things will happen. Um, and so while you know we're still giving ourselves flexibility on a week to week, day to day basis, like we we have now gotten to a space where a couple months into this, we feel we owe it to people. Plus, it also helps with, with our own editorial planning to sort of like firm things up and then give people a sense of, uh, especially in Waypoint Plus, like what you're paying for, right? Like you're this isn't just showing up to the website and you know, getting an, uh, some sort of funky ad to, to mark you and track you. <laughs> so that turns into money somehow. Um, this is this is something where people are paying per month to, to support us. And so we wanted to give people a better sense of kind of the rhythms of of the week. And I'm sure the, you know, we I've already heard from folks who are like, what if I'm not a subscriber? I would still like a newsletter. We, like, your feedback is noted. Um, there is, there, there are mechanisms by which we could do Something that involved both, um, but we're going to give this newsletter some time to breathe. Um, you know, I'm currently writing it. We're going to come up with a template so that Rob can also write some of them. Um, and, you know, we're, right now it's mostly just kind of like a, a fancy link dump. But I, you know, I have ambitions and hope that it will be something something more than that uh, going forward. And the feedback so far has been very positive. It was like very funny. I mean, this comes up every time with everything related to Waypoint uh, over the years in which Vice is like surprised at the uh, <laughs> how passionate the folks are about like anything that we do, which is, you know, hugely flattering from our audience. But it was just like, I don't know what the actual numbers are in front of me. They're irrelevant. They're basically like people don't really open newsletters this much. They really opened your newsletter. <laughs> open these the numbers. These numbers don't. This isn't the numbers you get. And I was like, yeah, because we have a super engaged audience that like really gives a shit. And so um, that has that is that that is, you know, that is something that we have uh, managed to see, uh, you know, occur in like raising money for all sorts of different wonderful charities over the years. And also it extends to opening an email in in your inbox. I want to say the number was like 50 percent of the people that got the email opened it, which is like that's just not what people do. Uh, And so way to go. Way to way to way to open uh, the damn email. Um, and uh, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes uh, from here. You know, I could I know that I'd expect like a full essay in that in that inbox. But I don't know. I think we'll we'll have some fun with it. Um, so so stay tuned uh, for, for more of that. And if it's something you want, then that is that is yet another perk of joining joining Waypoint Plus. Um, and look, so I had a couple of people were like, can I opt out of this? And I was like. No, uh, that's like sort of not the deal. Uh, I, you know, we'll have to look into one more options, but hey, if you like want to delete it or market as spam, like it's fine. Like don't, don't sweat it, you know, do what you got to do. If you're, if you, if you come from an inbox, got to be clean, uh, household, which I get it. I'm, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I need that inbox to be minimal and you got to work through things fast. Uh, I get it, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we have, We'll see what we can do in the in the future. I'm just glad the man the fact that we managed to say we want to do a newsletter on a Monday and actually got it out on a Friday. God bless. That's just not how working <laughs> at a big media company works. And much thanks to the people even in this company that like made it as they just shared a doc that was like, here's how you do it. 
hey, actually, we've already signed, we already have all these systems in place. Just go, go nuts. Like, enjoy yourself. Like, go write your newsletter. It was the most pleasant, like, idea to doing a thing I have had here in five years. It was, it was delightful. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, once, once you let me have that template, uh, Patrick, I cannot wait to handwrite notes, uh, for our listeners. <laughs> um, I'm going to really build that, that special connection. Uh, it is. Um, you can really audience. tell when someone handwrites their emails. You know, it just mm-hmm. hits different. Oh God! Yeah, Rob's <laughs> got to see if he can will the was sail through. I think is the service we use. Will, is is their web forms compatible with the Surface Pen? We're gonna find out. It's true. We got to because uh, it's it's it, the future of computing is here, my Rob, friends. It's, it's in my hand. I'm just gonna need you to open up like. Uh, I guess paint MS paint is still a thing, right? Handwrite your entire email and then just paste that sucker right into the body. <laughs> just an image of your beautiful script. I want to see it. I'm pretty confident I could do that, but <laughs> I didn't even need to open paint. Uh, Kato, see this little thing uh, on the pen. Yeah. A little, little button. will just open the whiteboard oh, and wow. I can, uh, I can just start jamming right away. <laughs> Amazing. Damn, what a content life you leave, Rob. <laughs> um, also, I may, I did manage to pull up all my stats on Steam. Rob, can you do this? Kato, can you do this? Can we do could this? Be our last thing that we do. Can you? Can you? Can can all three of you conveniently open Steam at the moment, or are you yeah. away from it? Can you do that no, on your no. Surface Pro? Yeah. Yeah. Rob, what do you want to know from Steam? I do everything on my Super Surface Pro. So open Patrick. Steam. If you click your profile, oh, uh-huh. I don't know how to do that. And then you go to the games category. Yeah. So then, you, then go to all games, and you can sort uh, by playtime. Ah, oh yeah, this is easy. So, me, yeah, so I, uh, so I found, yeah, so I found, yeah, PUBG is up there with 125 hours, uh, uh, total. Uh, above that is Virtual Here for Steam Link, which is a service I use to make my an old Xbox or an Xbox a modern Xbox controller interact. With an old Xbox 360 USB wireless hub, <laughs> so that I could use that controller on my projector. Um, and uh, because like the old Steam Link or something didn't interact with the new Xbox wireless, I, I can't remember. But that's it has all that because that is just the time that I've used using my Steam Link uh, in different parts of the house. And then 146 hours uh, with The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. So that is the most I've played. So I was actually wrong. Um, PUBG, I've spent more time in The Witcher 3 than in PUBG. Um, I played a lot of I played a lot of The Witcher 3. Uh, as All right, real quick, because it's been a, it's been a minute since I've done this. How do I sort my playtime? So are you in the so you go to your profile and then the games category? Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then all games, and then sort by playtime. Kata, where are you at? What are what are your top five? Uh, do you want do you want these numbers first, or should I just start reading the? Uh, I'm gonna give you these numbers first, actually. You know what? Okay, please. Top, yeah. Top, oh, if, if you're saying five. that, then I. I, I I am very curious why why you're uh, disguising this, but yeah, please continue. Top five, seven hundred and sixty six yep. hours. Oh boy. Number two, five hundred and ninety four hours. Oh shit. Number three, four hundred and thirty seven hours. Wow. Number right. four, two hundred and twenty hours, and number five, sixty five hours. That's a big drop off. Okay, yeah, that's um, a real hard drop off. I'm trying. What to do these think games have in common? What? <laughs> are these games what do they have in common um those are too long to be souls games um 
they they have to be strategy games of some. Wait, type, how many right? of those are destinies? Oh. One of them, exactly one of them, and it's not even the top one because remember, Destiny was in BattleNet before it came to Steam mm. for like a solid year. So, but that is one of them. So we've ticked off one of the five. One of the five. Yep. Okay, so Destiny. Um, is was am I right? Is it strategy games? Like, is that nope? Like common? Well, no. I hmm. guess one one of these. No, no, actually, no. Never mind. Ignore that. Is there a commonality between the four, the other four? Like, uh, kind of. Yes, there is a thing that you could say links them. Two of them MMO? are more linked. Nope. Because mm. I was going to say Final Fantasy. No, but I'm only that, you're not playing that. You don't... that game. <laughs> that, that one's rough. Uh, I've talked about these. I've talked about one of these for sure before on this podcast. It's just like a thing I played a lot of in college because I was poor and it was free. Oh, huh. Rob, do you, uh, do you have any recollections of what this is? No. <laughs> All right, Kyle, right. hit us. Starting with number five, the sixty-five uh-huh. hours Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice. All right, that is uh, only only Souls game I've played on PC. Actually, all of the other ones I own on uh, PS, yeah, I've I've, I have sixty-six hours here for Dark Souls Three, which is like nice, a little yeah. further down my list. Uh, number four at, for at two twenty, uh, PUBG Battlegrounds. Okay, yeah, that I makes played sense. on while you are. I also. I wasn't at Waypoint yet, but I also streamed. While you all were streaming that, I also streamed it. Extremely um, good. Which was fun. Uh, had a lot of time in that game. Um, then Destiny 2 at 437. Then at 594 hours, Team Fortress 2. Ah. Oh, is that yeah, the one you've mentioned? That's the one no, you mentioned. No, it's not. No. The Damn. one I've mentioned okay. is my number one at 766 hours on record, Dota 2. Ah, the game that, that I played sense. at work because my work was very right. slow. I, I I I was the the dark room manager for my college after I graduated. Um, and you just wait for people to have problems, and usually there aren't any problems if you done if you did the setup right, which I did. You know, I made sure everything was spick and span, so like shit wouldn't break in the middle of the day. And therefore, in the middle of the day, I'm just fucking I'm out here grinding Dota two. <laughs> because yeah, Dota Two was free. Uh, same with Team Team Fortress. At that at that point, it had gone free to play. Um, I'm pretty sure. And it's just like those are the games that my white MacBook would run during college, and so right. that is the only thing I played as a extremely poor uh, college art student <laughs> that had no money. So I didn't buy. I didn't I, buy games. I just played the free ones that Valve gave me. <laughs> I'm I'm writing I'm I'm writing this down in my head when we've talked about uh alternate uh pods for uh the, the Monday show yeah. like just talk talking to a guest about the top 5 games in their, in their Steam, Steam all-time oh, play category. Oh my god. That's, that's a really good. good. Yeah. That's a really good one. Um so I'm going to I'm going to It's fine. You can steal it if you want, motherfuckers, but like that's <laughs> that's a good framing device and I'm, I'm going to remember that one. Yeah. I think we're going to deploy that in the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, it. Rob. Hit us. What it give? Do the same. I and Kato has now invented the this this format right. for for the show. We, we, need, uh, the, we need the hours first. It's top the hours, five. and then you talk, and then you talk through the top five yeah. as your framing device. So, what is? Give us the hours one to five or five to one. Let's work with the right. least, the least from the top five to the to the most hours. Ninety one hours. Oh, okay. One hundred thirty two hours. Mm-hmm. One hundred thirty four hours. Ooh. 144 hours. Nice These even curve here, yeah. 229 hours. All right. That's five, right? Was yeah. it? Okay, yes. These must all be strategy games, right? 
That's that would be my guess, mostly at pretty least. Pretty much, yeah. What do you mean, pretty <laughs> much? Yes, it's a yes or no question. Well, some things you would call strategy games, I would call tactics games. Okay, okay, oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. All right, well, that's <laughs> sh- shut the fuck up. Um, uh, all right. Well, kind of. Let's see. Well, let's see if we can. T- uh, uh, is it's there one a civilization of- game on there? You don't like Civ, no. right? You don't like. Civ. I I, I, forgot I, that. I do like Civ, but so Civ Four wasn't really like that I played on a physical copy that wasn't in Steam. Mm. Uh, so that doesn't make it in. And Civ 5 doesn't quite make this cut into this uh, top Damn. Team. Okay. I feel Go like ahead, I'm maybe I'm overselling this, but the total was three kingdoms. One of those five. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. How uh, many of them are total war? Games? Yeah, that was my next question. That was the only one. Wow. Many, the one that is the one that just doesn't make the cut. I'm just going to tell you because it makes me real angry. Yeah. My second most played Total War game. Total War Rome 2. The mm. bad okay. one. The bad one. <laughs> Shit. Okay, well, I can only assume... Well, that's not true because you played it with Austin, but maybe you were running your own campaigns earlier. Yeah, XCOM, XCOM right? 2. XCOM has got to be one of these. Right. This is He said tactics, not tactics, no. not strategy. No? XCOM no is not... Oh, no XCOM Wow. Games. Shit. <laughs> is um does I don't think this one makes it, but does uh uh, uh oh my my brain is exploding. The the one that starts with the B that was good that we all liked that the robots. Battletech. Battletech. <laughs> Jesus. Very yeah. good, Kato. Yeah. That is my number That's two. That is the 144 two. hours one. Nice. Total War Three Kingdoms is number one at 229 hours. Mm. Whoa. Damn, nice. Okay. What? And then what are we missing? Else? Three and four, right? Yeah. Um obviously ones that are that have three, been stream- four and five. Yeah. Streamed like artificially inflate the the hour count for sure. Um that's why Battletech is up there. Because I think that was off of That was usually Rob's. off Austin's no, Was it? Yeah, that wow, 144 that is mostly me. Damn. Damn. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> that's a good good fucking game. Jeez. I gotta go back to that. Uh, I don't know. All right, give us, give us your okay. four and five. Four and five. This surprises me actually. Huh. Parts of Iron Four is yeah. my third most played game on 134 hours. I think that is because I it ends up being a pretty good multiplayer game. Mm. So I ended up playing a bunch of that multiplayer. Uh, and then four is Europa Universalis Four at 132 hours. So. 120 hours, 130 hours. That's my, that's the paradox zone. <laughs> nice. And then at number five, just the obsessive, I can't put problems down until I solve them. They are billions at 91 hours. <laughs> wow. Huh. I'm kind of sure. And all of that, that is before we 1.0 release, right? 1.0 came along and I was like, don't <laughs> love this campaign at all. Uh, but. Just running the maps again and again and again uh, during the long uh, early access period. Played tons of that. Huh. Interesting. All right. Well, thank you for participating in this exercise with me and coming up with a new podcast. <laughs> new podcast uh, idea. Yeah. Idea. <laughs> Take us yeah, home, It really Rob. brings you face to face with yourself. It does. It does. I feel like we should have done top 10. Games, There's some, it's very interesting where the cutoffs happen. 
Yeah. yeah well, like specifically where you get the jump from like 66 hours to 100 plus. Yeah. Like yeah. that seems like. Yeah. There's like this multiplier effect that happens at a certain, uh, you know, time. Um, yeah. That, you know, especially the way with, it's especially funny on mine because the next two are things that should have should have more hours just by what they are. The two Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. But I very much beeline JRPGs. Like I'm not a very side questy like searcher. So like, and then it's just the games on your list that are clearly you left the game running. Yeah, I don't do that shit. Nah, like, I did not play fifty-three all... hours of the dig. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but my guess is so. Like my actual guess about why why is Rome two up there? Uh huh. Because Rome two has a fucking launcher that they introduced with um... that game specifically. I want to say, and so I'm pretty sure if you leave the launcher open, as far as Steam is concerned, you're in the game. Right. Yeah. But yeah. you haven't actually hit play, and so you're not playing the game. Right. Um. How right. much time did, did you all put into Skyrim? I played it on Xbox, so I don't know. Ah. Um, Skyrim is pretty low for me. I I delved too deeply and too greedily. And, uh, <laughs> basically, I was... Here's just my only advice. Mm. Don't get all fixated on trying to carry all the gold you possibly can <laughs> out of the Dwemer City. It's not worth it. <laughs> There's tons of gold down there. You're not finding treasure. You're finding junk. It doesn't matter if the NPCs will keep buying it from you for good money. You don't need to carry this fucking old robot arm like 30 minutes outside of a dungeon to a vendor another 30 minutes away oh. just so you can pick up the gold. You don't need it. Good. Don't do it. Good. Sounds I guess right. you can't you can look up Xbox by time, but the support ticket is wrong for how the Correct. website works. Now. Yeah. Well, we will we will get more answers uh, from our <laughs> guests about their uh, about their habits, uh, about their choices, about how they've chosen to live their lives. Uh, but until then, you can keep up with uh, everything we do at Waypoint uh, by going to waypoint.vice.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, on Facebook, YouTube at Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Patrick, where can people find you? Uh, at Patrick Klepek. Got him. At A underscore Cotto underscore appears. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. That will do it for today's show. We'll be back later this week with another episode of Waypoint Radio. I think our friend Dia is going to be coming through to talk about Lost Judgment. Um, So I need to stop optimizing the surface and get back to playing Lost Judgment uh, so so we can discuss this. Uh, but until then, fuck capitalism, go home. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You said Mind Palace that many times. Yeah, I... Mm, <laughs> drink. Yeah. <laughs> Just helping people live their best lives. Gotta help everyone reach their, their potential. Yeah, it's so kind yeah. of you. <laughs> 